I can be with myself. I can be present with myself in this moment. And that's the moment when... Welcome to Finding Your Spark Again After a Loss. Today, I'm really excited that we're going to talk about breath work for finding your joyous spark with Bex Crenshaw. And I think this is going to be an amazing conversation. Before we get started, I want to just tell you a little bit about Bex and why you should be listening because you absolutely should be. So Bex Crenshaw is a trauma coach, author of the book, Get Off the Treadmill and Survivor of Childhood Sexual Abuse. Bex now supports other women in their healing journey from sexual trauma to reclaiming their body, their sexuality, and their no. She has recently returned to home to the UK after a few years of travel in Central America to be reunited with her passion for baking and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So Bex, I'm so glad you're here. And uh, I will just say whatever platform you're on, there'll be the links so you can get in touch with her and uh, join the Facebook group and all of that. So thank you so much for being here. It's great to have you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I was so excited when we first got together and had this conversation about what should we talk about? Because I feel like the joy for me of doing this podcast is that I get to meet with so many amazing people who have come up with ways to process trauma, loss, and all the things that life does to us, right? Because life happens and been able to come up with ways to move forward, to tap into something bigger, to find something that is a joy, right? That is some sort of spark. And when you and I were setting this up, we said, gee, maybe we should talk about what is a spark. So what is a spark? Yeah, I remember that conversation. And um, so let me say what it is for me, first of all. So for me, it's that little bit of passion or excitement and it could be something tiny you know it could be you're walking down the street and uh for example a couple of days ago i i was i back in the uk for the first time in a long time it was 6 a.m the sun was just rising and there was the most beautiful sky and for me that was like that moment of the spark or the birds singing, these little things that happen, but then it can also be the like the big significant events in our life as well. It can be so many things. What about for you? I think for me, um, you know, uh, having walked through loss multiple times in my life, but, but significantly quite recently, um, I feel like sometimes it's like somebody has a blanket over your head. You know, where you just kind of, you can get to good, but you don't quite get to great. You don't get to that spark. And so for me, the spark is kind of that last little bit between good and joyous, where uh, we allow the space that's in the silence to, to bring that last piece and I think your example of a sunrise is perfect I love sunrise I'm I'm in someplace beautiful here and um uh and part of that is that I get to see sunrise and sunset that for me those are really important parts of the day I love to be present for them and I love the idea that beauty 
can really bring something in to my experience. So that's a really nice way, even though it's outside of me. And of course I can do, I can access joy without those things, right? Um, it's just a, so easy to reach for that. Um, and I think that breath is really a part of that. So when we're breathing, even when we see something beautiful, that's what we do. We go, oh, right? Like, wow, that is so beautiful. And so the breath is really a piece of that last little bit of the spark. And so um, I would love to know how you integrate that into your practice. Yeah, you know, I think the thing with the breath is that it's the anchor to the present moment. So you can really only be in that moment experiencing the joy, experiencing the spark if you're present. And that's what the breath does. So I think when you tune into the breath and you bring your awareness to the breath, it brings you back to what's happening right now. And then you lose the... Mm the haze or the wash of perhaps old memories, triggers, things that cloud our present moment experience. And you're just there in the moment, enjoying it for exactly what it is without, um, without the shadow of all of the past stuff. Because I think that's what happens mm. so often for so many of us is that we just carry around all of this baggage from our history and we get triggered, you know, something happens, those old emotions flare up. And all of a sudden, we're no longer seeing what's happening for what it really is. And we have to really be here to see it for what it is. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think this idea of becoming present is, as you said, just central to the ability to access joy, to feel the spark, to because you have to, for me anyway, I have to be in my body to do that. I have to be present and aware of my body uh, in the world in order to feel, oh, that's the spark. Oh, I can feel it happening, right? So uh, that idea of being present is really important there. Uh, how You know, you've traveled all over the world and stayed places really long times. I aspire to do things like that right now. Um, how do you find that it's different in different places that you've been able to access different things? Or how does that impact your practice and, and your work? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I think we've done a switch because I'm now in the UK having spent quite a bit of time in Mexico and looking at the, the beautiful <laughs> yeah. picture of your backdrop right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> what I found was, so I was living for a little while in a, a little beach town called Puerto Escondido, which is in Oaxaca in Mexico. And right after I arrived, I had this real sense that it was a very spiritual place. And there was a very different energy about the place. So certainly I think wherever you are in the world has an impact on your well, everything, right? Your energy, your thoughts, your emotions, the sensations in your body. Um, so there was that place in Mexico. And there was also, I was living in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica for a little while as well. And for me, that was really just the heart of the feminine. So that connection to nature, the connection to the animals, to the sound of the jungle, I found had a really profound impact on 
my ability to sit in my feminine energy. And then when you connect that to the breath and you bring the breath into that practice as well, for me, it was a real ownership of my femininity, of my sexuality. Probably for the first time in my life, I really embodied and owned that. And I think that was because of Mm. that environment that I was in, which I actually haven't thought about until you asked that question. So that was really curious. Nice. Really nice. I love that what you're talking about in terms of sound. So my previous career was as a sound designer in in the theater. And so sound is always really important to me, right? Because I just, it's a part of who I am and how I came into the world and what I chose to appreciate in being here in the world. And um, so sound is really important and so different from place to place, sort of the natural soundscape of a place is very different depending on on where you are. Um, And so that connecting the breath and the sound is a that's a really interesting thing to do and I think can be really powerful in meditation as well. Yeah, I mean the specific type of breathwork that I practice is called biodynamic breathwork. Um and it's a specific type of breathwork for releasing the trapped trauma in the body. So of course the breath is one or the, the fundamental component. But also sound is actually one of the the components that the practice works with. And that can be sound that the body creates itself, whether it's sometimes it can be just a hum, that vibration that travels through the body. Sometimes it can be a real kind of animalistic, you know, aggressive, raw growl. Um, And sometimes it can just be the sound of music and how that influences the practice as well. But you're absolutely right. It's mm. it's a central part of us as human beings, how we interact with that. And to me, it really, it enhances the practice compared to other breath works that I've done because it's actually allowed me to tap in and use my own voice. Um, you know, Because of my history and because of my past experience, that was something I always felt that I was lacking. Like I just didn't have the ability to speak up. And so it's interesting that a practice like breathwork has actually given me that gift again. Hmm. Isn't that funny? I mean, even when you just think about how uh, breath is literally, you're bringing the air past the vocal cords, right? So that impact is is immediate and is a is just a part of our breathing and without our breathing we don't exist right so for very long anyway i I don't know how long (laughs) somebody can hold their breath but not very long (laughs) compared to how long we live right and so uh so i love that there's sort of that tie together is that we have to be present we have to be functioning in the body and that that can allow the parts of our body that are impacted to open up, to release that which is stored there, and uh, to be able to have us express whatever that feeling is that we are in, right? So I, I love that. Sometimes a growl comes out. Sometimes some you know you just don't know what's going to come out because it's expression. It's in the moment expression. Um, 
So tell me, when people do this, do is this a practice that they do for a period of time or for a lifetime, right? I mean, like, is this a, a trauma release period or is this a practice that people do all the time? It can work in both or ways. Both. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I would think about it like this. It's um, trauma is like layers of an onion. Okay, so we're stripping back the layers and stripping back the layers. And each time we're getting closer and closer to the essence of who we are, which in my world is love. You know, we are essentially all just love. And that's never been taken away from us. We just have to get underneath all of these layers of this other stuff that we've accumulated. And so it just depends how much we're holding. And I think... Sadly, in today's world, most of us are holding quite a lot. Um, so it can be just a, a beautiful adventure to just go and to explore and to see what happens and what comes to the surface as, these, as we strip back these layers. Um, I will mm. practice breath work for the rest of my life <laughs> because it's just because it has brought that spark back for me. And it's just, it's brought so many incredible things to my life. Why would I not do it? <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, you're reminding me that um, I have a practice called Gyan Yoga that I do that is based in breath as well. And I can see where, you know, once you start doing something, you just say like, this works for me. Why would I ever not do that? Let's talk a little bit about the layers, right? Because I think that when people are walking through the world, that's the part they're in, <laughs> right? Uh, we're in the part where we have past trauma, we have current loss, we have a baggage from ourselves, from our lineage, from all of those things, right? We're sort of carrying all this around with us. And that ability to, to release and to drop the bags, uh, comes, as you say, in waves, in layers. So uh, I know that a lot of times the people that I work with, they're struggling with anxiety, insomnia, uh, worry, free-floating worry about something or nothing, right? Um, and there's all these kind of layers of what they're experiencing from that loss, uh, and those term, those things can go on for many years, right? Can be many years after the loss. And someone will say to me, I'm still not sleeping right. Or, uh, or I sleep all the time. I'm, my energy management isn't right. Uh, I'm, I'm nervous all the time, all those kinds of things. Um, and so what are those layers when you're, cause you work specifically in trauma, right? And trauma release, right? Yeah. So what are those layers for your clients? So I think the layers are different for everyone. Um, there's no set path that the body follows to go from holding trauma to healing. Um, what I would say is, and I don't want to go too techie, but I, <laughs> I do love the science-y part behind all of this stuff. So the way that I always like to think about it is, to bring it back to something we call polyvagal theory, which is this yeah. kind of ladder that our nervous system has. Have you worked with it before? 
Yes, yes, but I'd love it if you'd give us an overview because I've never introduced it on this podcast. Okay, so then if we think about the like acting like a ladder, okay, so at the top of the ladder we have what we call our ventral vagal system, which is when we're in an environment where we feel safe, where we feel connected to other people, and we're good. So then what happens is we come into an environment or perhaps something happens where we, our body starts to sense danger. Maybe we start to feel a threat. We get a little bit anxious, worried. This is what we call our sympathetic branch of the nervous system kicking into place, okay? We might have heard of it called fight or flight before. So then what happens is if this threat becomes sustained, right? If it doesn't go away, then we can drop down the ladder again into a state that we call dorsal or dorsal vagal, which is the body's shutdown response. And this is when we might experience things like depression, maybe dissociation, um, complete just disconnection from the world, maybe just a lack of energy or vibrancy for life. And we can get stuck in any one of these states, okay? So we can stay stuck in dorsal vagal for years. We can stay stuck in sympathetic activation for years. And so really what happens when someone is talking about experiencing anxiety, for example, or you know, an inability to sleep after something that happened years ago, it's just that they got stuck in one of these states. And because we don't really get taught the skills on how to actually master our own nervous system and how to move ourselves back up the ladder, we just think this is normal or we don't know any other way, right? So, I mean, I was stuck in that sympathetic activation for years, you know, just busy, 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 go mode, <laughs> never taking rest, never taking holiday. And I didn't know any different. So then really, I think it's about learning that skill set, which is all it is. It's just a toolkit to mastering the nervous system and being able to move back up the, the, the steps of that ladder back into the place of safety and connection. I think you bring up a really good point. And, and uh, f for me, it's important to bring up for people that uh, we, we kind of don't culturally, we don't have these tools at our fingertips. And we don't um, have a person that we go to. So a lot of times what happens is people get into these states and then they go to their doctor and their doctors may be very well trained in what they know, but what they know isn't about this sort of how to keep the body in homeostasis in its normal environment, right? They're very, maybe very good at sewing back on your arm if it gets cut off and those kinds of things. But, uh, you know, this kind of nuance of how do we live in a really joyous, easy, fun, playful way? How do we access the things that we used to access as children, as adults? Um, that's not something that is taught in doctor school that I know of. Um, and, uh, so, so where we have to go for those things are to the spiritual practices. So it's a funny, uh, separation here because you would not think that a somatic practice should be in the spiritual realm because what we've been talking about is moving air in and out of your body and being present in your body. So these are not spirit terms, they're body terms, right? Um, but I think it's really important just to mention that people... When you feel 
out of sorts mentally that there are a lot of tools at your at your disposal, but you do have to do your own sorting. You have to find your own way uh, and find your own practitioner. Find find the one that works for you. Yeah, and just maybe to add to that, I think I'm not saying that there's never a place for medication because there certainly is. But again, I think the path that most doctors will go down in that moment will be to offer someone a prescription for something, whether it might be anti-anxiety, maybe antidepressants. And the trouble with that is that it suppresses everything. So it not only numbs out the, the, the icky stuff that we perhaps don't want to feel so much, but it also then takes away from us that ability to feel the the joy and the pleasure and the passion for life um so Mm. we can't really get one without the other and I think that's something that we almost or at least I did perhaps a few years ago I had this idea that I just wanted to live in this place of happiness and joy all the time (laughs) and I think what I've realized over the time is that we don't get to feel the the beautiful stuff without being open to feeling our pain as well. And that's the, the double-edged sword, I think. That's right. I think that's the, the, the part about awareness that people move away from is like, well, when I have awareness, then I notice that I'm lonely. I'm sad. I'm any of those emotions that we don't want to feel. I'm in fear, you know, and there's plenty of them. If you reach for them, they're there anytime you want them. But without saying, okay, this is where I am, it's very hard to reach for anything better than that because you're nowhere, right? You're not in any place in your body and yet you're still carrying all the bags around of those those uh, unwanted emotions, yeah. And that's the thing that keeps yeah. us stuck, ironically. It's the avoidance of what's there that keeps us away from moving forward. And that, so the moment we actually stop and connect and say, you know what, like I can be with myself. It comes back to presence again. <laughs> I can be with myself. I can be present mm. with myself in this moment. And that's the moment when healing starts. Mm, mm. Yeah, it makes me think of, I mean, you know, in, in this past year of, of kind of walking through this piece of uh, trauma, no other way to talk about it for me uh you know death is really a portal and when the person goes through it some piece of me feels like it goes through it you know and so there's this trauma of separation and everything and when i when i think about um those moments and my ability because i trained in this throughout my lifetime, right? So my ability to rather quickly be able to come to a place where I am present, I am aware, I am, and I'm present in the moment. A lot of times people around you will kind of go like, you don't really understand what's happening, do you? Because you should be in a different emotional state than what you're exhibiting. But in fact, if we're really present, then the ability to access that joy And to access our ability to make good decisions, process information, all of that gets amped up, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think you spoke about this a little in our last conversation. You said that when you really are present with your experience, everything moves through you faster. 
So it's the resistance mm. to feeling the grief or the sadness that actually creates almost a, an energy and a blockage behind it so that when it does come through, it can be really intense and sometimes overwhelming. Whereas if you will just allow that, that energy pathway, that channel is open and it flows and the energy moves and it passes through and then you create the space for whatever wants to appear next. Yeah, I, I love that you're bringing this up because I feel like um, it's it's important to mention that when you have a lot of stored emotion, setting side a time, setting time aside is really important because it can come through when it when you finally open those doors and it comes through, it can come through in a way that that takes time. Right. You can have a cry. You can have a breakdown. You can have a period where you need to sleep more. You can have all of those things. But once you've gone through that and you're on a regular basis practicing doing spiritual practices in your life, um, especially breath work, then uh, your day to day, like you said, the you could be present, you can be aware and things can move through you in a much more effortless way. Yeah, for sure. I, one of the things that's probably quite interesting to mention here is that, you know, so I had so much trauma in my body that my body was really tightly contracted. I was tense all the time. I used to lift a lot of heavy weights. So there was all that energy in my system. And so I used to really struggle with a lot of the traditional spiritual practices and meditation because I just wasn't in a place where I could be in stillness. And sometimes when you've been through trauma, that it, it can actually feel really unsafe to be still. So one of the reasons that the practice that of this biodynamic breath work works so well for me is because a big component of it early in the process is movement. So we're actually unwinding the tension and we're allowing the movement of the body the, what we call this kind of unwinding of the spine to unfold that releases and dissipates the energy of the trauma that can then actually bring us into a deeper and a stiller meditation. So I just wanted to say that because for a long time, I thought there was something wrong with me because I couldn't do those practices. <laughs> and it was actually more just what was happening in my body rather than it being me. Yeah, wow. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that that is a, an extremely common experience that people uh, try something like uh, closing their eyes and focusing on their breath or they try, um, you know, listening to a, to the air conditioner or whatever it is that they kind of go like, OK, I read online. This is how I'm supposed to do it. I'm supposed to get real quiet, except that I have all of these voices in my head and I can barely sit here. I mean, oh wait, I have to scratch over here. Oh wait, I gotta move my, no, I, my stomach, I'm hungry now, sorry. I have to go to the bathroom, right? And so there's all of this kind of energy around the body that as you said, if you don't unwind that, um, then it's, it's near impossible. And I think that's a really common experience. I'm so glad that you brought it up and that there, you laid out a way for people to go from where you are to something more connected to your inner self, right? Because 
I think when you're in that space, it's very hard to find the way. It's like, yeah, I should be over there, but I'm not over there. I don't know how to get there, you know. And I, the other yeah. thing with trauma as well is that it's not the same message for all of us, but the things I hear most commonly are things like, I'm broken, I'm bad, I'm not good enough. And so then if we start a practice and it doesn't work for us, then nine times out of 10, the finger points back on us. Oh, it's our fault, right? It's that we're not doing something right. And sometimes it really is just a case of finding something that fits you and fits your body. I had the same experience with talk therapy. <laughs> talk therapy for me did absolutely nothing. And I was there, you know, I was trying that for years. And it was only when I started down the path of these somatic and these body-based practices that I really started to notice things shift. Mm, nice. Well, um, I want to just ask you, because we're about to wind it up here, that if yeah, you had and... one piece of advice that you could <laughs> leave us with, in this search for our joyous spark, what would you, uh, what, is there one thing that you would say? The spark is there. It's there inside all of us. Mm -hmm. And it's somewhere under those layers of the onion. So if you don't feel it now, mm. you will, you will. You just have to choose yourself. And I think that's probably the most important thing of all about the whole process. It's about choosing you. And it's about saying, you know what? I, like, I deserve to heal and I deserve to experience this joy and this spark in my life again. And that's where it starts mm. for me. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and uh, your expertise. And this has been such a wonderful conversation. So thank you for joining me today. I want to remind our listeners that you can contact Bex through her Facebook group, which is listed on the platform that you're listening on and uh, whichever one that is beside it below it whatever it is and um uh definitely keep in touch with both of us and also feel free to comment and let us know uh, how this impacted you and um and what your experience is because this is and it's a conversation that we're having right it's a conversation that we're having with each other uh on the podcast and a conversation that we're having with you the listeners so thank you so much bex Thank you for having me.